Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of You Matter to Christ. I'm here today with an amazing guest and happens to have the same name as a friend of mine from high school. This is Chris Miller, and Chris, spelled with a K, K R I S. Chris Miller is the founder and CEO of Healthy Money, Happy Life, and Trust Unlimited. She's also a podcast host of Money 911, and she hasn't been doing this just for a few years. No, she's done this for 33 years to help people with the financial decisions that they make in life to make healthy and happy decisions. So I'm excited to be here because I certainly in many ways uh, have not made the happy, healthy money life decisions in my life, but that's for another podcast. So today we're going to dig in Chris's background and understanding. So Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Chad, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I met Chris through the C-Suite Network recently and was recommended to be able to have a conversation with her. And so I'm so excited to finally be able to drill down with you today. Me too. The way I help our audience get to know you better is by kind of rewinding the tape and going back more than 33 years ago and saying, when you were five, six, seven, right, some of the first memories as a kid where were you raised? What were you doing at that time? Like, what do you recall as being your thing, your passion when you were younger? I remember it crystal clear like it's yesterday, okay? And I grew up in Silicon Valley, Bay Area, in Portola Valley, very gorgeous place, before it was Silicon Valley. And I literally can remember the first word I heard that I thought was God talking to me was, listen. That was my command to listen. And ever since I was a youth, I was like, I was driven with this. I mean, I was obsessed. I'll just say it bothered me. And I thought this really young and single digits. You go to school, you get married, you have kids and you die. (laughs) And it really bothered me because it didn't seem like enough. And so I started seeking God. It was really young. And I was studying all kinds of different religions. And I was born Jewish, right? I didn't really know anything about Jesus at all. So that's what drove me in the beginning, for sure. Wow. Any friends that come to mind? You know, I can think of the kid, Eric, and I still am friends with him to this day. 
and we were in the kitchen and I remember getting water out of the water faucet and laughing and joking, spilling it everywhere. And any of those kinds of childhood memories that come to mind? Yeah, I had one best friend and she lived across the street and she had a horse. So we used to hang out and ride her horse. And then another friend had a horse so I could borrow that horse. And, and we played fort. You know, we'd build little forts and have little tea parties and stuff. And mouse houses. We had little mouse houses, little miniature, you know, little baby miniature cups and little houses. Yeah, I remember it. That's neat. For sure. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so then you kind of get to be a teenager. You go to high school and those kinds of days. Did anything change from the time you were playing fort with your friend and doing tea parties? What changed in the middle middle years, teenage years? Well, in high school, that's really when I started seeking the truth. I started reading all kinds of scriptures from all kinds of different religions, and it was just intriguing to me. I was really into music and art, and I was bullied. So it pushed me out of the being, I wasn't popular. I was actually bullied. They all gathered, you know, all the popular girls said, okay, we're all going to put mayonnaise in our hair and show up at school, right? And it's like, I wanted to be in the in crowd, so I put meetings in my ear, <laughs> got off the bus, and there they all were lined up, and there was the principal. He was, you're out of here. They actually threw me out because I put the mayonnaise in my hair, but that was a blessing. That being bullied and pushed out of being popular drove me inside, and it drove me into wanting, wanting to know the truth more than anything. Hmm. So what surprised you? I remember hearing a sermon about different mountaintops, and some people would make the argument, say, well, they all lead to the same place. And then another pastor said, well, hold on. You see that mountaintop over there? How are you going to get from that mountaintop over to that mountaintop? And I was like, oh, yeah, good point. You'd have to have a pretty long bungee cord to be able to jump from one to the other. What did you discover when you peeled back the other religions that you researched? That what you mentioned was like hinds feet on high places, and you're on this journey with the chief shepherd, right? You keep going through all of these different experiences. So study Buddhism and Tao and, and you know, all of them. And I found that I hit a ceiling. It was like, that's cool. You know, that's a nice saying. That's great. But it, it wasn't complete. No one was saying everlasting life and rebirth and God on earth. And, you know, it didn't resonate with me. So kept me seeking till, till my first year of college, if you really want to get to it. And in that time, and I was at UCSC in a very good college, university, and I was in there for music and art. And I was going to use music to heal. And so I was really intrigued by that. And I also wrote songs. And I was in this a different pattern in that schools were very liberal at that time. There still are, but they were, especially here on the West Coast, crazy liberal. So there was a lot of free space. And I ran into these people that were living the life of Jesus Christ. Take no shoes, no script, and no purse and go amongst people and preach the gospel. So they were literally walking barefoot across America with a white robe, barefoot, a sleeping bag rolled up, a bowl and a spoon, right? A little tote sack, a little white tote sack. And they were split up in twos and threes. They were nomadic, went north in the summer, south in the winter, went all over the world. And they were talking about living the life of Christ in faith. I was really intrigued, but it was just like I met them at, at this event that I was singing at. 
And then a few months later, well, maybe it was maybe a year later, I was traveling around with these people and I was in this yoga and I was this yoga teacher and I was going off on these really weird zones. I'll just put it that way. And I was really depressed. And we were sitting on the side of the road in Yuma, Arizona. And I was going, okay, I just said, if there is a God, please show me a sign because I was either going to commit suicide or go to South America. And it was like shortly after I said that prayer with from the depths of my heart, I was seriously going to do one of those two things. This old horse trailer pulls up. This guy sticks his head out and he goes, are you looking for Jesus Christ camp? And I went, yes. <laughs> right Now, Christ as a Jew was a swear word. It wasn't anything romantic. I did read the Aquarian gospel, which got me. And I did watch a movie back before you were born called Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. And it was about St. Francis. And when I saw that, it was like, I want to grow up and be like that. I want to grow up just to give my life to God and help people. That's it's as simple as it got. And so they pull me out. There's a few of us. The guy drops us off in the middle of the desert. And there all these people, a bunch of brothers. They look just like the disciples 2,000 years ago, sitting around a campfire, beards, long hair, white robes, talking about living in faith, talking about going across the country in faith. And I was intrigued. And I met them. And the next morning, there I was walking down the road. There were 13 of us. We hit the road in faith and barefoot, didn't have a robe yet. And we hopped on a freight train and started heading east. And when you simplify life down to the basics, which are food and shelter and maybe some friends along the way, it does make you realize and understand that what faith is all about, that just like when the birds wake up in the morning and chirp and go eat a worm, they're not big thinkers. They just know that that's what's going to happen. And it does. And I think a lot of times when we get into our sophisticated world and influence of uh, news media and whatever else influences us, it's easy to get away from that understanding. It is so easy. And we're born disconnected. We're born in a fallen state. So we don't have those glasses because we're all supposed to be sons and daughters of Christ, of God. That's who we're supposed to be. So we're in a human state. It's kind of like a, a human, kind of like a man, but not totally lit up. And we were strict. We were nonviolent. At the, you know, we were living like Genesis 129, all herb bearing seeds for you shall be meat. So we were nonviolent, didn't even wear leather, vegan. We were married to God. So we lived as brothers and sisters, no sex. And we were non-materialistic. Now this puts you right out there. Imagine, walk right out now, Chad. Let's just walk down the road. You don't know where you're going to sleep. You don't know where you're going to eat. And that puts you in to see there is an almighty God and he is there and he's going to take care of you because it happens. Wow. And I lived that way 15, 20 years. I lived that way. It, there's some appeal to it. It sounds quite interesting because you get so tied up in so much stuff in today's day and age. There's a friend, her name is Sandra Shin. And I met her a couple of years ago. She wrote a book that's compelling because you'll get it in the title, Who Am I After Human Trafficking? And so she was raised in, man, where is that? It's where Bob Marley was a big guy in that 
Jamaica mom. So she, her thing that she said she felt more closer to God was amongst those people when her dad would perform with Bob Marley and go on the road and they would hang out in those environments. And the camaraderie, the prayer, the spirituality, like she really was like, that was it. Then I come to America and, you know, she's now obviously freed of all of that. It was a very interesting and deep story of how her faith grew and she was chained to a fence for years and like just bad stuff, but she can smile from ear to ear. I think a lot of people are chained to a fence. They just don't know it, right? That's exactly true. Everybody is locked down and it really is. Earth is a schoolroom and you can't get out of here unless you pass certain tests. And that is Christ is our example of the life because it's a way of life. It isn't reading a book on Sunday. It's taking eating the book, because consuming the book, becoming one with the book. So you're a living Bible. Yes. And you know what shocked me, Chad? I'd be out there and I never read the Bible. I did later, but when I walked down the road in faith, the Spirit would speak through me. And it was shocking because words came through me that I never read or knew about. I'd be listening to the Spirit come through me like, whoa, because we'd be walking into a town and people would have dreams about us and say, come over to our house. And then we'd be ministering to them. Maybe they'd been praying or going through something and the right words would come. You know how that is. But when you put yourself into the position, it's unlimited what can happen because you become a divine instrument. Yeah. The word in flow comes to mind, right? When you're operating at a high frequency level and you're in flow, you're doing what God created you to be. And so it's pretty exciting. I'm reading a book on that right now. It's called Freedom. And it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John eight thirty two. And it talked about the tree of knowledge and wisdom or the tree of life. The tree of life says, when you mess up, you won't feel condemned. And the tree of knowledge and wisdom says you will feel condemned. So you shouldn't. We're going to make mistakes. We're humans. Whatever we do, a post on social media, maybe you did something really dumb. You harmed someone or whatever it is. We're going to do dumb things. And you could feel guilty a bit and you could feel repentance, but you shouldn't feel condemned by God. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing about God's grace. I mean, none of us would make it. Wasn't that I was so righteous? We'll have to do another show of what happened to me when I took my robe off. I mean, you know, it looks like, oh, you did all this stuff. Yeah, but it wasn't always that way. I had my mountaintop experience and I became vain. A song called Flow, by the way. Oh, that's funny. Flow. And I'll have to sing it for you. But during this time on the road and the pilgrimage, I was being blessed with acapella songs or downloading. I'd go out in the desert and like five songs would manifest a whole song. So we just started singing around the campfire. And then God said, go to Hollywood and make a record. It was like, what? No way. And I pushed him back for a couple of years. So finally, seven sisters, white robe, bare feet. We went to Hollywood, knocked on the record label door, sang on the spot, got a record deal. And this is back in the 80s when Barbara Mandrell, we were on that show and we were doing TV and radio. And all of a sudden, the ego monster came and got me. I started taking credit. I started thinking I was so cool. Look at me, right? And instead of giving God the glory, I became vain. And all of a sudden, I fell, literally lost. And I did, I lost 
what God had blessed me with. I kind of gave him a finger, wouldn't say kind of, and I lost my voice. I lost my friends. I wasn't able to sing. I ended up doing things that they do in Hollywood, drugs and alcohol. And I got caught up in that vanity, you know, you think you're God instead of giving God the glory. That's really what happened. And I fell, lost everything, became homeless, was doing drugs. Chad, I couldn't stop, even though I was like, so arrogant. Oh, yeah, I can stop this anytime I want to, right? But I couldn't. And I ended up doing time. I went to prison because I couldn't stop drugs. Now in California, they let all those people out. They let the murderers out, but that's another story. But seriously, right? Yeah. Seriously. And that's when I believe that I really hit my knees because there was an arrogance in the way that I was born because I was born in wealth and born in blessings. And there was a haughtiness like, I didn't know that I needed a savior because I didn't even think that I sinned. So I had to just rip off the vanity and and go to the ground until everybody disowned me. Everybody, my dad, my friends, my family. I had to go through that dark period to go, I need a savior. And that's when I really hit my knees and accepted Jesus. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to go back to where I was. And I studied law and then I became a paralegal. And so I had that mountaintop, but I don't want to leave it there because it's not reality is the grace of God. And the grace of God was when I hit the low, he raised me up. And now that I can use that mountaintop experience inside of the world where he put me, which was of all places, the money world, right? Hmm. You think there's something going on there? <laughs> I've met some of the neatest people who had a similar prison experience. They made a decision. In one case, funny enough, 33 was his number. He was in and out, arrested 33 times. And on number 33, he would give a percentage of it to God. And he said, you know, I'd say, hey, God, you can have 98.9%, but I'm going to keep 1% over here. And finally, on number 33, God on his knees, and he just said, God, his name's Billy Dyson Jr. And uh, I think maybe the third, actually. And uh, he's on his knees and he just said, God, I can't do this. I need you in my life. And now he reads the Bible every day. His Bible is more crispy on the edges than anyone's because he's in it and he's becoming it. One thing that he mentioned to me that helped change his perspective is that someone came up to him on the street corner and he had sold his phone so he could buy drugs. He didn't even have a quarter to call someone on the payphone back in those days. And he just asked people, can I have a quarter? And for a whole day, nobody gave him anything. And I, you know, when I see somebody on the corner, I think every 10 people or something, you're going to get 50 cents or a dollar. Not the case. And so finally, someone came up and gave him $5. And he said that level of hope is what changed the trajectory of his life. Did you have any kind of experience where another human being entered your life, whether it was in prison or post or pre or something where it just, that was a main trigger that helped you get to be the person that you are today? Oh yeah, I definitely, I had my good friend, partner, brother, father, he played every part, amen. It's a man named amen came in my life and helped me you know, a lot of mindset. We all have issues. We're born broken. That's why we need a savior, right? But yeah, I definitely have his help still to this day in spirit. And that would be my number one. And then along the way, there's been people that show up like little angels that show up right at the perfect timing to help get through. Because 
I really didn't really change. The, it's just the props change because the idea is to help millions of people. So whether it was being a singer, which I was, you know, I'm on a record label and I sing inspirational Christian music. I got to the point where it was like there was too much vanity in there for me. It was like, okay, but now it has to be, how can I help a lot of people? And I've been blessed with it a unique thing in this healthy money, which is not gambling in the stock market. It's safe money. And so the thousands of people that work with me, no one on my watch has lost a dime in any market risk. And so it's a different kind of strategy. And I looked around and you're 25 and it's like, wow, nobody really talks about what I do. And and honestly, I'd rather be singing praises to God and my guitar and travel around and do it. But he has me here right now. And I, you know, I sing and speak and do that. But honestly, where we're at at this time on the planet and the shift that we're in, and I used to say, hey, we're in the last days. But now I'm like, it's later than I thought. And this is serious. And I see millions of little sheepies about to go off a cliff and nobody's telling them. So I'm in an, that's why my podcast is called Money 911. I feel an urgency. I feel like I'm running in front of a fire. Well, I remember I went to a church event maybe three, four years ago that was uh, one of the Dave Ramsey things, eight weeks or whatever. And there was someone sitting at the table that said, hey, if I have to buy a tire, that's going to disrupt. I can't buy even a tire on my car because I've got two to three jobs. And so as Americans, we have a spending problem. I mean, when I can see the CU Buffs game at $352 for nosebleed seats, where five years ago I could pay $80 for front row just because we have a new coach at CU. What the heck? Who's spending $352 to go see a college football game in the back row of bleachers? And you just look at all of those decisions people are making. It's just very interesting time. It's crazy. And it's happening. I hate to use this analogy like we did in the lab in school where the frog is boiling. And people don't know that that change is already happening. Uh, you know, I just bought some Band-Aids and spent $7. What? Yes. Well, even I read something that said three years ago, the average median income to afford a house in America was 50000 Now it's 109000 That's just in three years. So that's going to eliminate a large percentage of Americans from even being able to afford a house. And so, yeah, you're not going to be able to live on cruise control if you don't get ahead of those kinds of things. That's right. And I see, even though the other system is coming down, I see God's people are like the phoenix, that they will prosper, but they you have to get creative, right? You have to be an entrepreneur. You have to, you might have to do a couple things at a time, right? That's the plan. The plan is, what was that? I had um, Carol Roth on my show. You will own nothing. She just wrote that book. You will own nothing and be happy, something like that, which basically is the plan basically to get rid of that, the middle part and push everybody in the cities. And you should see, oh, we could go off on another conversation for sure. <laughs> it's important time. So if people want to find your podcast, since we're on that topic, Chris, yeah, Money 911, is that where they find it? Yep. Available everywhere. And we haven't launched the YouTube, but boy, we're getting thousands of people watching that on and so the YouTube is Healthy Money, Happy Life, Money 911. And the audio podcasts are available everywhere. 
Money 911. Share it. Tell your friends, right? Well, I guess last question for you, and that is you started on the path seeking God. You heard the word listen early. You had a friend across the street who had a horse, like everything's going great. Then you get on the road without your shoes and follow a group of people. You check out all the religions of the world. You, so you've been there, done that. You've checked the box on all of that. If someone else is listening and they're just not in the spot they want to be in life or their relationship with God or whatever it is, what would you tell that person if you were sitting next to them? I would say... Get away from all your screens, go sit down, take a deep breath, let go, let God. You don't have to do any meditation or mantra or anything. Just relax and let go and just pray and ask the Lord, Lord, I don't hear you or I don't see you. Please talk to me. Please let me hear you. Please show me the next step. I do this every day now. I take five after I'm done with being on all this computers and everything. I sit down and I just listen and let go. I listen and let go, let God and let go of all the things from the day. And everything just gets clear. And then and then he speaks to me and he actually gives me instructions for who to talk to, what's the next day or just peace. Maybe no instructions. Ask the Lord. He is right there with you all the time and loves you so much and wants you to talk to him. So take their time out, just shut off everything on the outside and listen and talk to him. And I guarantee you will get an answer and you'll be quite joyful. Wow. So it's not show me the money. It's not the Jerry Maguire ask. No. It's, it's a little more subtle than that. Sometimes nature can be nice, sit in the grass. That's right. I've got this little small bottle of whatever it is I bought, and it's lavender, I think, of smell. And I'll just sit there at some point in the middle of the day for five minutes and just clear my head and just let your subconscious unconsciousness steer you. Because when you can connect, you got your one too. <laughs> I got all kinds of them. Oh, yeah. It's all about the little bottle. <laughs> And you take your shoes off and go stand ground, ground out, just stand on the lawn, right? Just stand there. And like you said, be outside with the birds and the life and everything. God will talk to you everywhere. He will show you. And you had the moment where you just didn't know. And you said, God, if you are here, if you can hear me, show me. And then the horse carriage came up. So yeah. <laughs> you'll be amazed. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, be careful what you tell people. He doesn't show up that quickly all the time. Yeah, he does. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's not like some other place. The kingdom of heaven is within. It's not some other place. It's really in there. God is really there inside of us. Yes. I think that's the third kind of leg of the stool. If you think of Old Testament, hey, we've got to build these rules so we can honor God. New Testament, hey, Jesus died for us, so you don't have to do anything. You're already in his love. I think the next phase that we're entering is, hey, he's right here with you, and you don't have to be at the worship service on Sunday. It's good because you can actually invite them in more frequently. And sometimes it's neat to be around other people who have similar beliefs, but you don't have to be there on Sunday. You can pray prayer anytime and he's accessible. That's right. Church is in your heart. And now, like you said, the third part of the stool is thy will be done earth as it is in heaven, bringing the kingdom of heaven on earth. And you look around like, how's that going to happen? Well, I might go through a few wars, but his will is going to be done, and it is peace on earth and the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's right. 
It's been fabulous talking today, Chris Miller. Thank you so much. Money 911 is the podcast. Check it out. And uh, I look forward to being on your podcast in the near term. And I just thank everyone for being here. And remember, you matter to Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. Christ.